James, pastor, head elder, senior pastor, whatever you want to call him in the church of Jerusalem, brother of Jesus, has a lot to say about the tongue in the five short chapters in his epistle. And today we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. The title of the message is pretty stout now. You ready? Your rogue tongue. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment, a greater condemnation. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect, that is, mature man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell itself. Gehenna. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one, that is no human being, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. I want to read that again. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh water. Why describe the tongue of every human being as rogue? What does rogue mean? Wretched, sinful, corrupt. It's the picture here of a wild animal that loves to break out of its area that it's supposed to be in and act up. The heart of every human being is sinful. And from that sinful heart 
the tongue speaks. Hey, look at me. I'll show you how it works. Because by the end of the sermon, we're going to work something else in there. Your tongue is attached to your heart. You have a sinful tongue because we have a heart that is bent towards selfishness, that is bent toward us wanting to do our own thing. That's called sin instead of doing God's will. So your tongue is attached to your heart. And what is it that feeds the heart? Your thoughts. Your thoughts and the devil can put thoughts in your mind. They're called fiery darts in Ephesians 6. You can walk out of this room, hear a whole sermon on the tongue, and you can have an aberrant, more than aberrant, a sinful thought that the devil plants there. He tempts you with it. And if you let that hit your heart, you've got about five seconds to deal with a thought. And every thought you have is not from God. Every thought you have is not from you. That's why these people who are saying, you know, I don't know what gender I am. I'm hearing different thoughts. Let me tell you something. The enemy can put thoughts in your mind, and he does. Fiery darts. You got about five seconds to deal with them, or they deal with you. And so you got to intercept them before they hit your sinful heart. Because when the thought hits that sinful heart, your heart is so corrupt, it is a seedbed of selfishness, and then before, if you're not careful, before you know it, man, boom, your mouth shoots off some sinful word that came from your sinful heart that was prompted by a sinful thought. You with me? We'll go back over that at the end. So let's talk about our heart. You say, who are you talking to? You and me. And all of us, number one, your rogue tongue is directional. What do I mean by that? It guides you. Your tongue guides you. What you say guides you. It's very important. What you, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Look at verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. He includes himself. James says, guys, I know some of you are wanting to be teachers in the church. I know some of you are wanting to be leaders in the church. But let me just remind you that we leaders incur a stricter judgment. We. He was not saying that all Christians are not to live up to biblical standards. But what he is saying is that leadership is a lot more about responsibility and accountability than privilege. And if you're a leader, you're going to be judged at a more severe way, in a more severe way, by God and other people than people who aren't leaders, who aren't teachers. It's just the way it is. He said, that's not fair. I don't even go there, all right? I'm talking about what's real. What's real? God's Word says that when a teacher doesn't practice what he teaches, both God 
and the world around him will judge him more severely than they would somebody that wasn't the teacher or the leader. Just the way it is. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. James admits the obvious that we all stumble in many ways. It's not just that we stumble a little bit. We stumble a lot in many ways. We all do. We all sin. We come short of the glory of God. But then James says, here's a way to guard against sin. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Perfect Greek word, teleios, does not mean sinful, per, sinless perfection. Rather, it means maturity. If you are mature in the way you speak, then you are mature overall spiritually. A Christian who does not stumble with his speech is Christ-like. He is mature. He's like Jesus. Jesus never, ever stumbled with any of his speech. He always knew what he was saying, was saying the right thing. It was spot on, even when people didn't like it. And James said, if a man could control his tongue, he'd be able to control his whole body as well. He could bridle, he'd be able to bridle the whole body as well. So if you control the tongue, you control your entire body. Tame the tongue, tame yourself. That's what he's saying. Then he gives two vivid pictures here. To illustrate it, look at verse 3. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. There's this bridle, and it has a bit, and you put the bit in the horse's mouth, and then you have reins on the bridle. And if you pull one way, the horse knows what you're wanting. It doesn't like its mouth to be irritated, so it'll do what you say, that little bitty bit is all it takes to turn a great big horse right or left, and the guy or the gal that's riding it has the reins. And guess who has the reins over your life? If you know Jesus, Jesus. So if he's got your speech right, if he can, if he can train you to where he can pull you to the right or pull you to the left, oh, that will be a great day in your life. When you're not in control of your words, but Jesus is. But he doesn't just give that illustration of a horse. He gives another one of a ship. Look at verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great, driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small, what? Rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So you've got this big, ship, big sails, big ocean and sea, and a little bitty, relatively speaking, rudder. And you have the captain of the ship, and he's turning every little thing by just that little rudder. And he's saying, that's the way your tongue works. It's like a rudder that turns the whole ship. It's directional. It's like a bit in the bridle with a horse. It's directional. The rider 
can turn the horse where he wants to go. The captain can turn the ship where he wants to go just with a bit in the bridle or a rudder in the boat. And God can use your tongue in the right way if you will just let him have control of your tongue. But if you don't, you're going to be shipwrecked. <laughs> you're going to mess up. So, your rogue tongue is directional. Lead your whole body. It's hard to believe that this man became in charge of Germany back in the 1930s. Adolf Hitler was a former soldier in World War I. He was in prison. He was dismayed that the Germans had lost the war, and he was determined to get Germany going again. There was great depression. When the Great Depression hit in 1928, my mother and daddy were just children. They said it was horrible here in America. It was really bad in Germany. They had just lost a war, World War I. And so the French were taxing them and all these other people were taxing them. And so Hitler comes along with his Nazi regime. And do you know how many, how much of the percentage of the votes he got in 1924, when they ran for election, 3%. That's all, 3%. So he says, I got to do something. And he, he's, he developed his speaking skills. And he starts going to all the common people. All He just makes this unbelievable trek, going to all the common places, all the common people. He'd go to the pubs. He'd go to any place he could go, the parks, wherever, and get, people would gather. And he started telling them how he, what his vision was and how he was going to put all of their worries at ease. And he was going to bring back prosperity. And he became such a speaker. Eight years later, he won the election, and then two years after that, he became the sole leader of Germany. In his book, Mein Kampf, part of which he wrote while he was in prison, Mein Kampf means my struggle. He said this, talking about the power of words. Listen to this. I know that men are won over less by the written word than by the spoken word. Every great movement on this earth owes its growth to great orators, not to great writers. You may disagree with that, but I want to say this to you. Jesus himself never wrote any scripture. The other people took his words that he spoke and wrote them. Jesus never wrote a book. You ever thought about that? Jesus' power was in his speaking. Now, Paul wrote letters that became books. So I'm not saying it's not, but it really is true. The people who have, and, and you know what happened here with this, don't you? By 1938, he's in charge. Seven years later, 70 million people had died. Six million Jews had died. 1.5 million of those six million were small children because of this crazy man demonized man and yet he could hold tens of thousands in their seats when he spoke. Do you understand 
the power of an ungodly tongue? Do you understand that? That's exactly what's going to happen at the end of time with the Antichrist. I believe that people like Hitler have the spirit of Antichrist, but when Antichrist comes, he's going to be a smooth talker, man. And he's going to rally all the people, just like Hitler did in Germany. He's going to do it all over the world. Smooth talker. Now, why do I even bring that up? Because... When people speak authoritatively and effectively, everybody follows. We're in a scary time in America. If you didn't know the Lord, aren't you glad you know Jesus? <laughs> aren't you grateful for him? Amen. We got some tongues that are rogue and they're trying to direct us in the wrong way. It's been that way for about 30 years, maybe even longer. But let's quit talking about all that. Let's talk about you and me. Your tongue directs your life. You don't have to say amen, and I'm not going to ask for one because I know it's true because the Bible says so. Much of what is going on in your life, good and bad, is due to the words you've spoken. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Every word you speak directs the rest of your life. How many of you have ever, I know, if you're honest, you're going to raise your hand. How many of you have ever said a word, and while it was coming out of your mouth, your mind was saying, no, no. And you said, too late. Boom. How many of you have ever spoken a word you wish you could take it back? Amen. But you can't. And here's what we do. Oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. You can't. You've already shot the, the bullet. You've already let the arrow go. It's done its damage. I know people that fly into people. They say, well, that's the only way I can get, them, get anything done. And they're mad and they're yelling and they get immediate results, but they leave permanent damage behind. Your rogue tongue. The rest of you follow. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Read that last part with me. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Now listen to what he said in Matthew 15. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. That just shows you that your heart is rogue, and your tongue is attached to it, so it's rogue. These are the things which defile the man. Our rogue tongues are directional. Secondly, your rogue tongue is dangerous. Look at verses 5 and 6. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. It's small. It's small like the bit in the horse's mouth. It's small, relatively speaking, like the rudder on the ship. 
And he says, not just small, but it's on fire. Look at the rest of verse five. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. I caught my whole backyard on fire when I was a kid. We had a bow and arrow. How many of you had a bow and arrow when you were growing up? Anybody have one? I don't even know if they sell them anymore. But anyway, uh, we had a bow and arrow, and we had these blocks of wheat straw that looked like hay, and we put them out there, and we put the targets up. And so I just had a match one day, and I said, I just wonder that thing. I wonder if it'd catch on fire. You know, when you're, when you're 10 years old, you're saying, your boy is like, you got a match. You're, you're dangerous, amen? And so I just went over and said, hey, let's give it a Shot and whop, guess what? It caught on fire. <laughs> it went up in a blaze, whole backyard. Dad came out and said, what's going on? <laughs> One little match burned up the whole yard. And my behind too, all right? I don't think. <laughs> it got burned up too, all right. And the tongue is a fire, verse 6. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. It sets on fire the course of our life. Do you hear that? So much of your life, your whole life is affected by what you say. And it is set on fire by hell. That's pretty stout. Don't be fooled by the size of your tongue, James says. It's small. They could do great damage. There's no part of you that's not affected by your speech. And it's set on fire by hell. It is dangerous. Even though it's small, it's dangerous. When we lived in Texas, the first eight years of our married life, we found out about these little things right here. What is that? Scorpion. Don't say somebody's name, all right? Don't say somebody. I, I know that guy, yeah. I work with him, all right, yeah. Donna, we were, my first church that I worked at out in Texas, the only church I worked at in Texas, where I started off as the youth pastor, and so we lived in a little side room, some people's house. And Donna, we'd been married about a year or two. Donna was washing her hair, she goes to the sink, about to throw her, her hair, soapy hair over the thing, and there's one of these little dudes just like that. I want to say this to you. When you look like that, you better get out of the way right there, all right? That looks really big. They're only about that big. How many of you ever been stung by a scorpion? Anybody? Anybody? You have? It hurts, doesn't it? You, you want to do it again? No, I didn't think so, yeah. I never have. I knew a guy in my church in Texas that he had a, a scorpion, when he was a little bitty baby, he had a scorpion get in his little clothes here and he was crying and his mom thought he, something was wrong so she picks him up and pulls him in and, and the thing starts stinging him more while she's pulling him into her, pressing it and it was bad. <laughs> These things hurt, but they're so small, they can't hurt. Yes, they can. You ever get stung by one, you'll never do it again. And I'm going to tell you something. Your tongue, relatively speaking, is small, but it can sting. Oh, it can sting. And some of you, some of you have made it an art 
have a tongue that stings. You kind of like it. But the other person doesn't. And I want to tell you something. You may think that you're getting away with it and you're not. You may think that everybody else thinks that that's okay. But I want to tell you something. They don't. They don't like it. They don't like it. You're not getting away with it. Whether you know it or not, if you've got a sharp tongue, people are talking about you behind your back with their sharp tongue. You keep it up, you're going to reap what you sow. Tiny things like a tongue can ruin someone's reputation. They can divide a church. They can divide a nation. They can even, a tiny tongue can blaspheme almighty God. Think about that. Your rogue tongue, potentially it's dangerous. And then thirdly, it's deadly. Look at verse 7. Every, for every species of beast and birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed. By the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. James noted that man has tamed, been able to subdue and tame every kind of animal, birds, beasts, reptiles, sea creatures, but no man has ever been able to tame the tongue alone. You've got to have help of God with that. It is a beast that refuses to bow. It is a restless evil. It never sleeps. It stalks its prey day and night. If you don't believe that, go to social media. Like a venomous cobra, the tongue is full of deadly poison. They're out of control. Your tongue is out of control apart from Jesus, and it's deadly. You know, I don't like to do things that are daring. I, I don't like to, I kind of enjoy living, you know what I mean? I don't do things that to me are just, why would you do that? So I go to the circus and I didn't see this guy do it, but I've seen this happen before. I, I just want to say this to you. That guy's not working with full machinery. Amen. I'm just saying, something's going on with that. Do you know how quickly a lion could kill you? And I, I looked this up. I have no idea how they did this research, all right? Hey, man, come here. We want to use you in a research project. We want to see how fast a lion can eat you. Or kill you. I don't know how it works. <laughs> Three seconds can kill you. And they say if he doesn't kill you in three seconds, that means he doesn't want to eat you. He just wants to mess with you. And so why would you tempt a lion? You say, Brother Steve, I'm not, I'm not going to stick my head in a lion's mouth. 
I'm not going to do that. I, I don't encourage you to stick your head in a lion's mouth. I do encourage you to tame the lion that is in your mouth. That's what I encourage you to do. You've got a lion in your mouth that is destroying some people. And you need to stop. You need to stop. Your little cutting ways. Well, that's just the way my family is. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't blame your mom and your dad for your rogue tongue. It's you. It's you that needs to change it. A tiny cancer cell can take down a 250-pound NFL player. A relatively small bomb about the size of this little part of the platform up here, that's about how big an atomic bomb is, and that's big, but it's relatively speaking, dropped on a city the size of New York City. This little tiny, relatively speaking, bomb can destroy and wipe out the whole city. And your tiny tongue can do just as much damage as a cancer cell or a bomb. It can eat up other people's lives and hurt them and take them down. I have seen people who were criticized when they were young Never get over it, ever. And yet these parents yelling at their kids, these spouses yelling at each other, they wonder, I don't know what's wrong with our marriage. Well, duh, it's your tongue. It's full of deadly poison. Well, your rogue tongue is directional. You're going to follow your tongue. You're going to reap what you sow. If it goes south, you're going south. If it goes north, you're going north. It's direction. It leads the rest of your life. It's dangerous. It's tiny, but it's terrifying. It's deadly. It's packed with poison. It's lethal. You can kill somebody on the inside with your tongue. And then one more thing, according to James, it's duplicit. It's a hypocrite. It's fake. Look at verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the likeness of men. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound on Sunday. And you're barking at people on Monday. Same mouth. Praising God. Cutting people down at work. Slandering people with a text or with an email or even online. Yelling at each other. 
It's not just content, it's tone. It's tone. I fully expected it's been this way. This is the third service. The quietness means we're all in this together, me included. How many of you, God's talking to you right now? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. At the church, we're blessing God. But on the way home, we're berating our family. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Verse 11, does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? No. If you've got a faucet at home and it's not giving fresh water, you get it fixed, don't you? Should. Don't pay for bad water. And if you've got a good source, it ought to be the same. Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? I've told you many times, the greatest commentary on the Sermon on the Mount is the book of James. And James here again is got Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount in his mind. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 7, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Here it is now. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles are they. Very much like can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs. Jesus said, Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles are they. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Jesus is saying lost people are known by their fruits. Saved people are known by their fruits. And you and I are known, James says, by our tongue. By our tongue. Nor can water, salt water, produce Fresh. If you go to Israel, which I encourage you to do, Mediterranean, salt water. 50 miles east, Sea of Galilee, fresh water. Why? Because the Sea of Galilee doesn't get any of its water from the Mediterranean. The Sea of Galilee gets all of its water from the rain and the snow that come to Mount Hermon, and it flows down three little tributaries into the headwaters of the Jordan River. Dan, the more, northernmost part of Israel. Jor means descend from. The water descends from that mountain and flows into the Sea of Galilee, which is 40%. It's the source of 40% of Israel's water. It's all fresh because it comes from a fresh source. And what he's saying here is out of the same, out of the same spigot, if you will, you can't get salt water and fresh water. You just can't. So why is it that out of our mouths come blessing and cursing? My brethren, these things ought not to be. John Bunyan was a Puritan preacher in England in the 1600s, preached the gospel, got in prison, was in there for over a decade, and he wrote one of the most famous books at one time. It was second seller only to the Bible, Pilgrim's Progress. In that book, 
Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote about 60 books. But in Pilgrim's Progress, he described a character named Talkative. Talkative. He's got all these people, and he names them by their actions, Talkative. And here's what he said about Talkative. He was a saint when he was abroad, but he was a devil when he was at home. Do you know anybody like that? Oh, when they're out there, oh, yeah, oh. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all that is within me. Yeah, preacher, great sermon. They get home and boom, 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 boom. Go to Sunday school. Well, bless the Lord, amen. Go home, boom, go to work, boom. Somebody pulls out from on the interstate, boom. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Salt water and fresh water, blessing and cursing don't need to come out of the same mouth. Amen? Amen. Maybe we'd all be better if we were crocodiles. You say, where's that thing's tongue? He bit his tongue off, Brother Steve. Nope. It's in there. It is sealed to the bottom with a membrane, and he can't move his tongue. He's got one. It's just plastered to his lower jaw. Don't you wish that's the way yours was sometime? Wouldn't you be better off if you just had the membrane? Lord, somehow... Do something with this little animal in here. It's getting loose too many times, Lord. God, please. Your tongue can get you in more trouble than you can get yourself out of. The only one that can tame it is Jesus. He said, this is by far one of the most depressing sermons I've ever heard in my life. So now I'm going to give you some help. You said, well, finally, watch your tongue. Psalm 1914, write that down. Psalm 1914, one of the greatest prayers you'll ever pray in your life. You remember the three things I talked about a while ago? Your tongue speaks out of the heart. Your heart is affected by your thoughts. Remember that? Words rooted back in heart, rooted in your thoughts. If you get your thoughts right, your heart is still wicked, but you can control your heart, and then you can control your tongue. you got to get your thoughts right to get your heart right to get your words right. And that is, this verse includes all three aspects. Pray it with me, right? It's a prayer to be prayed. Let's pray it right now. Here we go. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do you see it? The words of my mouth, the meditation, the thoughts of my heart. Let them be acceptable, not in my sight, but in your sight, O Lord, my foundation, my rock, and the one who forgives me for my sins, even my sinful speech, my Redeemer. 
I'll tell you, you ought to pray that prayer every day until you die. God, I need a little help over here. I need a lot of help. May the words of my mouth, let's just pray it right now. Raise your hands up to the Lord. Come on, let's go. May, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. How many of you are going to start praying that prayer? Amen? I'm, I'm going to pray it more than I have been. You say, anything else good? Yeah, I got five things to help you with. Here, just write down, not in your notes. This is free. Okay, here we go. Five things you can do good with your tongue. And I'm not talking about drinking a drink from Sonic either, all right? Okay. Number one, you can praise God. Let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. God didn't give you breath to complain. God didn't give you breath to gripe. God didn't give you breath to belittle and to dog people. God gave you breath to praise the Lord first and foremost. So get after it. You praise God for who he is. And then another thing you can do with your tongue is start thanking God for what he's done for you lately. Thank you, Lord, that I had some food to eat this morning. Thank you that I had clothes to wear. Thank you that I had a car to be able to come up here. Thank you, Lord, that I have a church where we can study the word of God. Thank you that I have a copy of the Bible and nobody is telling me I can't read it or talk about it. Thank you, Lord God, that we have these MAs. Thank you, Lord God, that we have brothers and sisters who are struggling like we are, but we're making progress and we're growing in grace. Thank you, God, that we have the Holy Spirit to help us understand these things. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Do you think maybe you can thank God a little bit? Amen. Yeah. So praise him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. And then another thing you can do with your tongue is pray. Pray. Man, get after it. Cry out to God. Praise Him. Worship Him, yes, and thank Him. But then start praying for people. Praying for your needs. My wife and I every day pray the Lord's Prayer. We say it together every day. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We go right through it every day. Use your mouth for prayer. What else? Encouragement. Use your mouth for encouragement. How many of you, now let's, let, I'm not even going to ask you. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. How many of you need encouragement? Please get your hand up. I'll tell you how to get it. How? Encourage somebody else. Look at me. Whatever you need is what you need to do. Amen. You reap what you sow. So if you need encouragement, the best way to get encouraged is to encourage somebody else and you watch. It won't be long. God will encourage you. If you need encouragement, encourage somebody else. You can use your tongue to put courage back into people. And when you do, it'll come back to you. It'll come back to you. And when it does, you'll start crying and saying, oh, hallelujah, this is real. God's real. And then you can witness, you can tell people about Jesus. That's the fifth one to the guy that's running the machine. There you go, all right, good. Witnessing. I can tell people that they can get saved. Amen. All right. 
You say, Brother Steve, this is a pretty tough sermon. James is pretty tough. He sure is. But sometimes we don't need to be coddled. We need to be confronted. <laughs> sometimes you need to be confronted, and so do I, in a loving way. I don't want a doctor, if I've got cancer, to tell me I just need a Band-Aid and take an aspirin. Man, if i got cancer, I want somebody to tell me how to treat that stuff. Let's get after it. And if I've got a rogue tongue, I want somebody in the Bible, I want James to tell me about it. Don't avoid scriptures like this. Let them do their work. 